Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Thank you, church. I am so excited to be back with my Healing Place family. How y'all doing this morning? Are y'all ready to go? If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it up to John chapter 20. That's where we're going to go in and learn and study a little bit and hear from God. I'm so, so blessed to be back with you guys. I told your pastor last night on the phone that when I leave the church that I'm, I'm, I'm at in California, my favorite church to travel and speak to is y'all. And I'm not, and you think I tell every church that, but you know what? Everybody live streams now, so you can't tell that lie no more, okay? You got to be telling the truth because they'll say, I watched you at the other church. You said the same thing. You know where liars go, right, Pastor? <laughs> uh, I got to tell you that you guys are so fortunate because Pastor Mike Rape, you guys have two of the best leaders, pastors in the nation. Can you guys honor your pastors, Mike and Rachel, today? They are incredible people, great friends. Uh, I love Pastor Mike. He is a friend that I can call at any time and talk to, and I bless him for that. And uh, we, we've developed such a great relationship. So we're praying for them to be refreshed today. Uh, I just want to open in a word of prayer and ask God, how many want to hear from God today? Let me hear you say, yeah. yeah. Now, I got to tell you, there's nothing I'm going to say today that's going to change your life unless God is using me to speak it, okay? You don't need to hear from Pastor Chris Harrell. You need to hear from God. And I believe his word is going to speak to us. I'm going to do my best to get out the way and let him just use me as a tool and speak right into your life. So would you join me and let's open in a word of prayer here this morning. Father in heaven, I come before you and I want to bring this message before you. I believe you've given it to me for this church, God, that this is a word for today. And I thank you for where you've brought this church, God, and where you're taking it, Lord. And we look to you now as, as a combined family, but also, God, a collection of individual homes, people, individuals facing things that, Lord, at times we don't know what to do. And we need to hear from you. And we need to hear directly from you, a tailor-made word. And I pray you would do that today. Would you speak? divinely through this message, Lord. I pray that it would cut to the part of our heart where we need to hear challenge or conviction. I pray, God, where there needs to be hope and there needs to be life or there needs to be love, God, that it would inject it into that place most needing it. I pray that you would restore families. I pray, God, that you would bring new joy. I pray, God, you would give new ideas. Holy Spirit, you could do so many more things than I could listen to prayer. So I just ask you and give you permission, Lord, in my heart and in this church this morning, we say, it's your time. It's your word. Speak and share and do what you want to do. God, we are listening. And God, lastly, I want to pray that you would continue to bring redemption, Lord, to the Golden State Warriors and cause them to win tonight, God, and bring the championship back to Oakland and Golden State. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. Do you receive that word, church? I'm trying to pray. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. He from California. They're a little crazy out there. 
Hey, I want to let you get to know me a little bit, just so you could understand, um, before we jump into John 20, just a little bit about who I am and where I come from. I, I was born and raised in the Bay Area of San Francisco, Oakland area. Any Bay Area folks out here, right? I hear you. Two of you. That's fine. And uh, I was, you know, when I got to the point where uh, I, I, I met my future wife, and I remember we were just dating at the time, and, uh, you know, there were some things about me. Now, by the way, you, you, you know, you may not know this about me, but I'm half Mexican, and um, I, I'm, I am, I'm half Mexican. Both my parents were white, but I married a Mexican, and her family just claimed half of me and said, we got you. We own half of you now. I was like, what? I don't get to, no, you don't. And, and this all happened, I remember, when I first started going around the family, um, I thought my family, you know, I grew up in a nice family, you know, and, and we were a good, you know, family doing our best. I mean, we had some crazy in our family, like everybody's family's got, right? By the way, y'all nine o'clock folks, um, I just want to give you the rule in case you've never been around when I've been uh, preaching. Um, I just want to let you know that the louder you are, the better I preach. Okay, and so I just want to let you know that if any time this morning during this message, you start thinking this to yourself, man, he ain't preaching that good. I just want to tell you, it's your fault. Okay, that's on you right there. Okay, you do your part. I'm going to do mine. If that's all right, say yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm at this place where I, you know, I'm trying to get to know my family to be, I'm hoping. And, you know, my girl, she likes me. I like her. You know, she fine as wine and just my kind. You know, I'm trying to figure this thing out. When I met Brenda, I fell right in love. Brenda, she took like four years. But, hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I'm, when I went over, all her brothers and sisters, they love me. Now, my wife is first generation uh, uh, immigrant from Mexico. She was born in Mexico. And they came over and, you know, made a life here. So their whole family speaks Spanish in the house. So when I would go over there, you know, there were things in my, my family, right? My family, we're a white family, you know, and, and there were things about my family I, I did not know were different in a, in a Hispanic family. And I've come to learn that maybe even the, the rule would apply to some cultured families. Like there's some rules that are different. See, I thought my family loved each other, but I've come to find out we only liked each other. Man, these, this Hispanic family, I was getting to know, they loved each other. I had ever seen that many people at a one-year-old's birthday party in my life. I'm like, what are y'all doing here, man? Like, there was everybody. They had T.O. this, T.O. that, you know, Primo this, Prima that. They flew Abuelita in from Guadalajara for it. I'm like, man. Everybody's there. Everybody around there all drinking Corona, uh, Cokes, and uh, forgive me, Pastor Mike. I just sorry, my bad. Forgot where I was. And you know they they shooting off. I'm like, this is crazy, you know. And they they uh, they they doing the mariachi music. Everybody's doing. I'm like. You know, I don't know where I'm at. Now, everybody got to like me, but I knew that there was one thing I had to do. And you might be single right now listening to me thinking, you know, I kind of understand that. I, Pastor Chris, I'm single. I'm a single young man, and I might want to fall in love. And I think I might one time maybe want to marry like a Hispanic girl, maybe someone with some culture to her, a little more soul, you know. And you're thinking that. And I'm going to tell you something. That's fine. That's fine. But there's a problem with you wanting to marry a Hispanic woman. Every Hispanic woman has a Hispanic father. Okay, and these brothers ain't no joke, okay? 
Man, I remember the first time I rolled up, the family loved me, and I heard him coming down the hall. Why? Because he had spurs on his boots. Shing, 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 shing. I'm like, man, what, what's going on here? I thought, man, I, I really thought Jesus was coming back. I, I didn't, I was afraid. And he come out, and he looked at me, and I, not a word of this a lie. He looked right in my face, and he went like this. No bueno, gringo. And I was like, man, he walked away. I was like, man, this is going to be tough. And I did everything. You know, I, I would do all I could, you know, to try to get him to love and accept me. I mean, I even sat down and watched some of their soap operas. And by the way, like Latino soap operas are different than white people's soap operas, okay? Like Days of Our Lives, you know, like I, I would go over to my friend's house. My mom didn't watch soap operas. She had a real life and job. But like, you know, she would, I'm just playing. I'm playing. It's fine. Do you, boo-boo. Watch your Days of Lives. But I remember I'd watch it, and, and I was used to watching them, and the women cried in the soap operas, right? But man, you put on these Telemundo novellas. Some of you don't know what a novella is, but some of y'all do know what a novella is. You watch this novella, and all of a sudden, I'm not lying to you, all of a sudden, it'd be like, Roberto, Maria, mi novia, y mi amigo. I'm like, man, this is a lot for a Thursday morning. It's rough. And he would look at me and go, no bueno, gringo, and walk away. So I knew I had to do what a man got to do, okay? Because when you love a woman, you're going to do what you got to do, okay? You're going to pull out all stops. You're going to figure out how to get this man to approve of you. And I knew I had to prove to him I had what it took take care of his baby girl, man. I'll tell you that right now. I knew I had to do it. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That's right. I had to go there. That's right. Tapatio. See, tapatio is this sauce that my family loved. And it was so hot the first time they gave it to me, I didn't know what it was. They just kind of put it on without asking me, right? Like almost, and now I know they didn't accidentally put it on without asking me. They was going to see, what's with this gringo? See if this gringo can handle this. And it burned my mouth, and I was acting like it was fine. My nose was running. My eyes was rotting. I was crying in the bathroom. I went in there. I was I took some bread and tortillas in there, and I was, like, soaking, like, sucking on the tortillas. Like, Jesus, please come now. And, like, it was bad, y'all. I'm not telling. I'm serious. And then, and then I went out, and I figured out, okay, you know what? Nah, you ain't gonna get me next time, okay? You got me once, but this time I'm on it. So Christmas came. This was about 10 years ago. Christmas was coming. So for six months, y'all, I went into cross training. That's right. I put tapatio on everything I ate, okay? Scrambled eggs, tapatio. Cinnamon toast, tapatio. Chocolate milk, I put in some tapatio, stir, stir, stir. I was putting tapatio on everything for six months. So I came, I'll never forget it. It was Christmas morning, we got together, uh, Christmas afternoon we got together and everybody opened the gifts and then we get ready to eat. He comes walking in, they stand in the corner, he prays in Spanish and cries. And then he gets done, we all sit down. He takes the Costco size, you all got Costco out here? Okay, he takes the, you know, it's everything bigger than you could ever imagine, right? He pushes over the Costco thing right to my face and he goes, eh? And only I was ready, I said, huh? I kicked my chair in the back, took that thing, popped the top, and went. And he went like this. And then he said this. Welcome to me, familia. 
And that's how I became a half Mexican right there. That's how it happened. And, and you know what's crazy is I went into it with expectations of how he was going to love me or accept me or want to talk to me or be around me. You know, I had one idea, and it obviously went way different. It took all kinds of hoops I had to jump through. And it was, you know, in the end, it worked out. It was fine. In fact, let me show you a picture of me and my boo bear. This is my girl, Brenda. This is my wife. That's Brenda. Just so y'all know, that proves that a prayer life will work for you, okay? And the single brothers, let me just tell you right now, that's prayer, okay? Because let's be real, I'm a seven, okay? I know it. I ain't ugly, but I ain't like that fine, okay? She fine, right? I'm like, how do I get a 10? People, when we walk, I know y'all think it sometimes. When I'm out there in the mall, I know people look at us and be like, man, how did he get her? I'm like... Because I pray, y'all. That's why I know a holy God who looked upon me and had mercy and said, son, I see your heart. You love me like a 10. I'll give you a 10. You can have. Go ahead and have this. Some of y'all looking right next to you right now saying, man, I should have prayed more. I'm just <laughs> I'm playing. No, no, you're not thinking that. I'm, it's me. I'm, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, and, and this is the crazy part about life, right? Like some of you right now, you are going through a circumstance that can kind of be similar to this. You went into it. You ever go into something expecting it to be one thing and it turns out to be another, right? You get the job you think is going to be the job of jobs and this was the job you've been waiting for and you got it. Only now you get in there and your boss is crazy, right? You're like, man, I can't. And you got to watch what you post on Facebook because you know they'll find it too. You're like, I can't even tell nobody how I feel about this. Right? You, you get into the relationship, you think, well, I finally fell in love, and, and you thought it was going to be the one, and then somewhere in the middle of that, the, the relationship breaks, and, and you get your heart broke, and you went into it thinking, wait, I'm gonna, this is it. We're going to end in marriage. It's going to be great. Others of you, you got married, and you thought marriage was just going to be one thing, and you got into marriage and realized, man, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. In fact, some of you right now sitting in this room, you love God. This ain't about if you love God or not, but you love God, but your marriage is in trouble. You're facing stuff right now that nobody knows. And it don't mean it's in trouble. Like some of y'all, it is in trouble. Some of you, it's like, man, we are really in a tough season. You got this thing between the two of you, right? Nobody knows that it's there. And if anybody in here who, you know, really knew what was going on inside the house right now, they would be shocked. Like, wow, I didn't know you guys were going through that. Because, you know, it gets complicated, right? I mean, it's difficult. What you expect it to be is not what it becomes. Some of you, you thought finances were going to be one thing, and then one or two decisions later, now you're in a situation where you're like, God, I don't know what to do. We need your help. We, we, we thought it was going to be like this when we had kids, and then the kids ended up being like that. We thought we were going to move to this new city, and this was going to, we thought when we made friends with these people, these people were going to be life friends, and then they broke our heart, man. They, they, they said or did things that we entrusted precious information, and then all of a sudden we found out, you telling people stuff that's the pearl of great price in my heart and in my soul. And for some of us, it's not just that, but we go into a church, a ministry, we start serving, and then, then the ideas we have or what we thought it would be or our role all of a sudden is starting to be altered or it's different. And what do we do when the thing we thought life was going to give us is totally different and we're sitting in the middle and we don't like it? And what do you do when it happens in your relationship with God? 
You've experienced God. You've come to an altar. You've had legitimate moments with God, legitimate moments in his word. He has showed you things you never even knew were there. It's illuminated things. It's opened up things. You've connected to God. You've recommitted your life to God. You're serving God. And yet in the middle of your relationship with God, you, you, you got some things that you're like, man, God, what you going to do about this? Or where are you on this? Because I feel like I'm the only one dealing with this thing, and you're no, I don't, I know you're omnipresent, I know you're all, re- but, I mean, can I be that honest and say that sometimes you, as a Christian, even as a pastor, no doubt, you're like, man, I, I know you're in charge, and I proclaim it with my faith. My problem is, is I've got this broken humanity that has broken feelings. So I know I need to affirm my faith, but there are times my feelings are screaming so loud, I can't hear my, I'm like, man, this is so hard. How do we deal with that? And see, here's what I love about being a preacher. Here's what I love about being a pastor is that I believe firmly in God's word. I believe God put everything in God's word to show us here's how we deal with things. Here's what you do when you get into a marriage and it's different than you thought. Here's what you do when the job you thought you were going to have all of a sudden ends or the promotion you thought you earned they give to somebody else or you get let go because they're downsizing or shifting the different vision or code or whatever and all of a sudden you're like wait I thought I, I thought this was it. I thought I was going to be okay. You are broken. You are hurt. You're in the middle of it. What do we do when what we thought it was going to be is different. We got to look deep past our feelings into our faith. For, for me, I can tell you that my wife and I, we told you last year, we, it, we struggled to start our family. And I thought, God, I thought I wanted to be a dad so bad. I did. I want to be a dad. And we couldn't believe that we never had a child. And for years, month after month, we tried. And, and that's painful too. Some of you know that pain too. You, you, you would love to have another child or a child. And And that's a challenge. And here's what's awesome. Today, I want to take you into the story in John chapter 20. And I want you to see that this is exactly how Jesus' first disciples encountered Jesus after the resurrection. Now, if you are a Bible reader, you know a little bit more about this story. You know that Jesus rises from the dead, okay? And his disciples are nowhere around when that happens. And if you're not a Bible reader and you're new to church or somebody invited you this morning and said, hey, you got to come. They're bringing this crazy preacher in from California. You might like him. And if you're here today and you don't read the Bible a whole lot, I want to just let you know something real quick. This story we're going to talk about, when Jesus rises from the dead, none of his disciples expected him to rise from the dead. Nobody is expecting that. What they thought was going to happen is different. Here's how we know that none of them were expecting it. None of the disciples are standing outside the tomb on the third day going like this. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, watch this, come here, 5, for what? No, this is going to be crazy. What? 3, 2, Where he, where he, I don't know. I thought he was sitting. Nobody's outside the tomb when Jesus rises. Because no one understood. None of his followers understood what Jesus was really talking about. What was really going on. So I want to now come in and take the camera lens of scripture and zoom in on this story. Where what has happened is Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' earlier disciples, who was a former prostitute. She's the first person that happens upon the tomb. Which, let me just throw out a quick little statement. This is one of the stories God used to bring me to faith in Jesus. Why? Because I used to think, man, come on, man, is this story real? Is this story real? Or did they just hide the body and say Jesus rose from the dead? And tell a big old lie. And then I thought, wait a minute. 
in a day and age where women were not allowed to testify in court, where they were not even considered equal citizens to the men, where they were not allowed to speak out against anything, you mean to tell me that the lie of all lies that you're going to tell about God being this, Jesus being the son of God, and he rides from the dead with all power, and he's here, the one way, truth, and life to, to the Father in heaven, you're going to start that lie and spread around the world, and you mean to tell me that the best way they could have thought to strategic, if they're that smart to come up with that kind of a plan that would have lasted this long, you think that they would have been so dumb in their culture to be like, hey, let's send a former prostitute woman to be the one that discovers it and tells it everyone for the first time. And when I looked at that, I thought, that don't even make sense, man. I'm saying they're smart enough to come up with this brilliant lie that lasted this long, but they're that stupid in that culture to send in a prostitute who nobody would have listened to because she was a prostitute, much less she was a woman in that culture. See, what I love about Jesus is he's the improbable savior in his culture because he's real. The reason that this story is what it is is because it's real. It don't add up. It's not that good of a lie if you would have told it. Why? Because it ain't a lie. It's the truth. As far as anyone has ever encountered Jesus can tell you, they're like, he's real. And this is where it is. Mary now goes back. She gets Peter and John. Peter and John come. They look inside the tomb and Jesus not there. So they go back home. Now I want to pick the story up. Mary, after they go back home, is pretty upset. Let's find out why. Chapter 20, verse 10, it says this. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Now, we don't know why she's crying yet, but the Bible's going to tell us. Watch this. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body has been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Now, right now, she's about to tell us why she's crying. Now, what we can tell is that she probably didn't know these guys were angels. Why? Because I don't believe that her reaction is the normal reaction of when people saw angels in the Bible. You ever hear somebody tell you, yeah, I saw an angel. They came by my house the other day. I see that on, on the news. You ever see that on the news that crazy people say they're hanging out, serving food to angels? I'm not saying you can't entertain angels. The Bible says you can. But there's a lot of crazy people who think they've been around some angels. They ain't been around no angels. Okay, they, they've been around the pipe, but they ain't been around no angels. Okay. Out there telling crazy stories about God, making up you. No, come on, man. You know why? Here's how you know you done seen an angel that came from God's heaven. What's the first thing that they always telling you in the Bible when an angel shows up? First thing ever said when a real God angel shows up is this, hey, 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 shh, don't be afraid. Shh, don't trip, don't scream, don't cry. I'm, we cool, okay? Why? Because these angels ain't no joke, man. They some big old massive multi-wing, odd talents, crazy looking folks that is so powerful. And if you got some angel from God that show up, you're going to be like, I swear I'll go to church. I'll pay back all my tithes. God, I'll never, I'll never ever, ever speed again. I won't go in the carpool lane, God, when I ain't supposed to. I'll never cuss when I hit my thumb with that. God, I promise, I probably. Right? Look at your name and say, I told you he was crazy. He ain't, he ain't right. And all of a sudden, she's having a conversation. So we, don't, we can tell that most likely they don't say, don't be afraid. And she doesn't react in a way of like, whoa, what's going on here? So what they ask her is, why are you crying? And watch what she doesn't say. Listen to me, especially if you've been around church a while. Especially if you've been around church for a while. Listen in. She does not say, well, the reason that I'm crying is because I believe he was the son of God. And I thought he told us that he was going to rise on the third day. And I'm here to see the risen Jesus. And he's risen with all power and all might. He conquered hell death 
death and the grave, and he's here to give me redemption, and we're supposed to spread it around the world and make sure everybody finds out that it doesn't matter if you Jew, Gentile, black, red, blue, purple, everybody get a chance to be loved. No matter what your issue is, your proclivity is, your propensity is, your background, your upbringing, your past sin issues, it don't matter. We're here to tell I'm a prostitute and I'm the first one to happen on the tomb. Guess what that means? If I get to have a relationship with him, everybody get to have a relationship with him, and I'm here just to find him. Now, we know that's true, but that ain't what she says. She don't say that. You know why? Because she don't really think he's alive. Listen to what she says. Woman, why are you crying? This is what she says. They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. Let's just stop right there. They've taken my Lord away. They've taken the dead body of Jesus and put him somewhere, and I don't know where he is. That's why I'm frustrated. Now, ladies, help me out with this. I don't know this personally, but my wife says that every now and then what she needs is a good cry. Ladies, on the count of three, if that's something you ever understand that you need to, will you say, yeah, one, two, three? Okay, so there's some ladies who are like, I need a good cry. You need to cry it out. Process in a healthy way your emotions. Some of you ladies didn't say, yeah, and I could already tell you need to start having a good cry. Okay, you sitting there quiet, but your husband's like, I wish she would just get that good cry out. Because should we don't get the good cry out, I get the bad yell on me. You don't cry it out and process it out, and then you're like, you know what? And he's like, oh, Jesus. She gets this process crying. She tells now, she heard these guys, hey, why are you crying? And she says why. And this was funny. Have you ever cried or processed through guys, right? Have you ever, like, told the story and you'd let everyone know, this is why I'm crying, this is why I'm upset, and you already were too fit to be tied anyways, right? You were already over it. So you can imagine Mary is like, I'm trying to compose myself because I'm in front of these other guys, and i got to be strong, i got to act right. I'm not going to let myself get all crazy. I've got some tears coming down. My mascara is coming down a little bit, but I'm going to keep it together here, okay? And this is what I'm going to say. Okay, um... The reason I'm crying is because they've taken my Lord's body away and I don't know where they've put him, okay? That's why. Right? And you compose, you're keeping it together, you know, you, you're like, I'm going to get to that good cry, but right now, I'm going to try to, okay, you caught me dabbing, my, but I'm fine, I'm all right, Okay? I just, this is what's going on in my heart. And this is what's crazy. If you really think about it, the reason she's crying is because she thinks there's a dead Jesus that she don't know where he's at. But actually the reality is whatever she's crying for, Jesus is already fixed. She's crying about something Jesus has already handled because he's alive. The reason that she's crying is because she can't find a dead Jesus when the reality is she ain't never going to find a dead Jesus. She'd cry for the rest of her life. But the reason that he is not there and because he's been moved is because he's alive and he's out walking around somewhere. There are reasons in your life right now that some of y'all been crying and crying and crying and you're going to cry for the rest of your life until you recognize that the reason that that thing ain't where it was is because Jesus made it get up and live and go somewhere else and be somewhere else and do something else come on somebody in this place and so Jesus is now not there and she's upset about it and so all of a sudden it says that at this verse 14 watch this At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there the very thing she's sitting there bummed about is right in front of her I 
I don't know who needs to hear this, but there is some of y'all in this room, I believe firmly, that whatever it is, you've been upset, sad, broken, crying over. I want you to know sometimes it's right in front of you. You just can't see it. Jesus has it in front, and you know why you can't see it? Ooh, get ready. Okay, get ready. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. This one might sting. You know why you can't recognize it? You can't recognize it because it's different than how you thought Jesus should have done it. You thought Jesus was supposed to be dead and you showing up with some frankincense, incense and stuff. You come with burial stuff. You've been learned and taught how to prepare a body for burial. You've been the one who's been equipped to do this and you showed up. You probably bought the stuff. It wasn't cheap. You spent time in school learning how to do it. You've been trained and equipped to have this role. You're the one that's ready to do this role. You're like, wait, I'm the one who's handling this responsibility. And where does the body of Christ get off changing the plan, doing something different than what I thought? the body of Christ was supposed to be doing. Don't the body of Christ know how long that I've been expecting it to be where it's supposed to be and do what it's supposed to do? Now the body of Christ thinks it's just going to make some decisions to change and be somewhere else. And now I can't control the situation. I don't know my role. I don't know where to fit. I don't know what to do with these gifts I've got because you telling me the gifts I've had to be doing this for the body of Christ is now going to change. Why? Because he ain't dead. He's alive. And sometimes we'd rather find a dead Jesus we can control than a living Jesus we don't don't know where he is. I'm preaching just a little bit better than you responding right now. She turned around and she don't even see that it's Jesus. And watch this now. Now she don't know it's Jesus. So now she about to act a fool and talk crazy to Jesus. See, when you don't know that what you watch, when you don't know that Jesus is the one changing the plans, and you're irritated about it, but you're trying to keep it cool. You start acting in ways because you're like, why are you changing the body of Christ? I thought the body of Christ was going to go this way. I thought the church was going this way. I thought we were going to have it like this. We spent all this time, energy, effort. We bought all these supplies, went through this training, learned how to do this. And now we ain't going to do it no more. So I guess we're going to change how we're doing this. We're going to change how we're doing that. We're just always going to be what? We're going to change. And we don't allow the Holy Spirit to breathe life into the body of Christ and say, it ain't going that way no more. You can hold on to your spices. You can hold on to your manuals. You can hold on to your training. You can hold on to your job description, your volunteer description and be like, but no, this was, this was. And Jesus is just asking you, is, is it okay with you that I'm living and alive doing something different than you thought I was going to do? Is that okay with you? In fact, Jesus might ask some of you this morning, do I have your permission to change what I'm going to do with the body of Christ? Is that okay with you? Or, or, or do I have to keep it as it is because that makes you feel super secure, in control. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to the tomb. I'm going to prepare the body. And then I'm in my place. And then I go home and write into my devotional about how I serve God today and I feel happy. <laughs> because Jesus might say, yeah, that's not what I'm going to do. Why? He's going to show us why. Because now she's fitting to say something to him in a way that's crazy. She's talking to Jesus, mind you, okay? I want to remind you who she talked to. The son of God, God himself, the creator of the universe, all power, all might, conquered everything evil ever. That's who he's, he is. And she's talking to him. And he, she turned around, doesn't know it's Jesus. And he says this, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Now. 
You ever, ladies, listen to me now. Ladies, have you ever kept it together the first time somebody asked you? You compose your tears. You got yourself put back together in the, in the makeup room, and you fix it all up. You're like, you were strong. You got to work with these men, and, you know, you can't cry in front of them all the time because you want them to know I can keep up, okay? Don't think I'm weak. I'm not. I'm strong. I got great leadership, and you do, and we need you. And you've done it, and you've composed yourself, but you was broken in your heart, and it's healthy to process emotions in a healthy way, and tears is a healthy way to do it for guys and for women and men. And all of a sudden, you kept it together, and you about to, you're like, okay, they asked me, and I was like, it's because they've taken my Lord's body, and they've put him away, and I don't know where they put him. And now all of a sudden, this other person comes up, asks you the same question you just answered to everybody, and now you're like, what'd you just ask me? Hey, why, why, they come in, they go, so, so why are you crying? Well, why am I crying, huh? You know what? <laughs> oh, you want to know why I'm crying? I'll tell you why I'm crying. Okay? Why don't you listen up? I'm crying because I prepared all these things that I got ready to come and do all this stuff, and I've been training, equipping, and putting this role, and I'm here to grieve and cry and make sure that the body's prepared for deep composition, make sure it's all right, and it ain't even where it's supposed to be. And then, if you ain't here, somebody stole him. I don't know where they even put this man, and I'm here to try to grieve, and these thieveries all around here trying to change up stuff, what's going on, and nobody even appreciates how hard it is to be a woman in this game trying to do this thing. And by the way, them bum disciples ain't even around to help. They went back home. I don't even know what them guys are doing. They ain't here to help. I'm here holding it down all by myself. That's why I'm crying. Watch, watch. Remember that. Ready? Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She like two through with this conference. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, just tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. Ladies, you ever talk like that to your husband on accident? <laughs> right, your kids, they come in at the end of the wrong phone call. Guys, have, guys, help me out with this, but don't, hey, just, don't, just look at me when I ask you this question. Don't really respond too much. Just look right out with your eyes. Blink twice if it's yes. Blink twice if it's yes. <laughs> have you ever come in the room after she got off the phone with somebody or something happened, and you come in and you just like this, and as soon as you step in, she goes, you want to know what the problem is around these people? No one understands what I'm doing, and you just like this. I'm going to go put gas in the car. I'm out. <laughs> she talks to Jesus like this. And how often do we, as the church, talk to Jesus like this? We just think he's the gardener. You just, you some low-level person sitting here trying to ask me, do you know who I am? I'm here to prepare the body of Christ, okay? I'm doing important stuff. You just trimming leaves, man. Ain't you got some hedges to trim? Ain't you got some grass to grow? Don't you need to blow some leaves? What you here talking to me for? I got, I'm important, okay? I'm here to figure out what's going on with the body of Christ, okay? I've been at this church for years. I was here before they built this building. I've been tithing. I've been helping. I've been praying. And now all of a sudden, you going to sit here and ask me questions and ask me what's going on. I tell you what's going on is ain't nobody telling me what's going on. And I ain't happy about it. And here's what's powerful about Jesus. How does Jesus handle when we're emotionally out of control? How does he handle us when we don't have it together, when we're not doing well? I love how Jesus handles it. He only has to say one thing. He goes like this. Jesus said to her, Mary. 
He just called her name. Mary. Susan. Michelle. Rebecca. Lisa. Yolanda. Bernice. John. Ronnie. Greg. Saul. Robert. I'm right here. All what you worked up about is going to be different. Mary. And that's all he has to say. Here's what I love. Is that Jesus doesn't just want me to know my name. Today doesn't want you just to know that you need to know his name. But he wants you to know. I know your name. I know how to speak to you when you caught up. I know how to talk to you when you are being tempted. I know how to provide a way of escape when you are wrapped up with, with the notion of just going back to the old life. I know how to speak to you when you've acted out of control emotionally. I know how to deal with you when you're struggling with the changes that happen in the body of Christ. I know how to make sure that I come to you and I just will look you in your eyes. I've been standing in front of you. I know you didn't like it because it was different than what you thought it was going to be. It's not the way it's, it's not going to be the way you thought. But I know that that's hard and this is what I'll do. I'll just say, Mary. And you know what's crazy is I imagine she was standing there and she's probably in her mind. Where was she? She's in the place where she's crying. She's upset. She done talked to Jesus Christ with an attitude and done talked to him like he's just some gardener. I bet somewhere in the back of her mind, when all of a sudden she couldn't see that it was Jesus, she could hear that familiar voice. I can't tell it's you by looking at you because I'm caught up and blinded by all of what's going on around me. But I know what that voice sounds like. And somewhere in the back of her heart and her mind, parents, listen up. Teach your kids the Bible. Keep them in church. Make sure church is a priority. Keep them in school. Keep them in the youth ministry. Why? They may not always act like they know Jesus is standing in front of them. They may not always recognize how to follow and look for Jesus. But I promise you there will be a day when they are so caught up, they will need to know what it sounds like to hear the voice of Jesus say your child's name. Now, her response is natural. She reaches out. She holds on to him. She calls him Rabboni. And verse 17 says this, this response. Jesus says, do not hold on to me. Now, that seems harsh. Don't hold on to me. What do you mean? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I want to give us a chance to respond here. What do you mean don't hold on to me? Well, I haven't gone to the Father yet. And when I go to the Father, you get the Holy Spirit. And you need the Holy Spirit for what you're going to face. And so he has this powerful moment of redemption. He opens her eyes. He proves to the world that women are included, that they're needed, that even if you're broken and you have a messed up past, that he will use your life and still, that no matter if you can't see him and been acting crazy, he's still going to love you and use you. But he says this, the body of Christ is going to do something different than you thought, and I need you to be okay with that. And then she's like, oh, teacher, oh, Rabboni, oh, oh, Savior. And she holds him, and he says, but don't hold on to me. Why? Because this holy spiritual moment of revelation we're having is not just about me and you having it. I got something for you to do, and I got something I need to go do. Okay? I need you to go get my brothers. And he says, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to, I'm ascending to my father. Watch this. 
and, everybody say and, and your father. To my God, everybody say and your God. In the first time in the course of human history of interaction between God and man, Jesus in John chapter 13 all the way up until the end of the Last Supper, there is nothing but read in my Bible of his words. And the entire time he is talking about the Father to the disciples, he never one time uses it in any other way other than the Father or my Father. He's the Father in heaven, my Father. He's the Father, he's my Father. But for the first time, somebody listen. He says, because I've risen and I've conquered hell, death, and the grave, the stuff that would separate you from my father. Because I was perfect, I had a father in heaven, but you couldn't have him like I could have him because you're messed up and you're broken and you're sinful and you got stuff that God can't have. So he says this, I'm not just going now to my father now because I've risen, I got good news for the whole world. No matter how broken, no matter how messed up, no matter how many mistakes you've made, I'm going to my father and... Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.